Well, we're back. Um, I literally tried to think of like the best way to do the entrance, the intro um, into season two. And I got nothing. So here we are. We're back again. Um, Just me this year, which is going to be interesting. I have a few leads on who I can pull in um, for certain episodes. So keep your eyes peeled for maybe a Jordan Decker. Not sure if I can convince him. Um, Maybe a certain Kansas City mom super fan from last year that we talked a lot about. Um, pretty sure that I can I can pull that one off. Um, we'll see. We might have a few, you know, guest co-hosts here and there. Um, but for now, I'm here. I've got a lot of info for you. Um, it took me over an hour and a half probably to type up all of the notes that I will speak a mile a minute through and and get you through in half an hour. Um, so that's frustrating, but it is what it is. There's been a lot happening um, in the non-con thus far. This is the last weekend of non-conference. League play starts next week. Um, so that's why I wanted to make sure that we got the show rolling uh, so that we weren't behind. This is also the first year that I have video recorded my podcast. Maybe a live stream is in the future. Maybe not. <laughs> right now no <laughs> or at least far in the future um I keep reminding myself to like look at the camera and not like at the screen or like anywhere anywhere else that I could possibly look I also have my little summit league cup I don't know if I can legally show this um Michael or Ryan or or Brian or Aubrey somebody tell me whether I can do that or not I'm not making money off of this so I feel like it's fine um but you might see me whip out the cup to take a drink if I say something stupid that I didn't mean to say or if I just need a drink you know um because sometimes you just need a drink I'm in PhD school sometimes I need a freaking drink (laughs) um and I'm guessing that I might need one after the Vikings are done playing the Eagles tonight we'll see celebratory or grieving one of the two I will probably need a drink Let's get back to volleyball. So what we have for you tonight, an absolute jam-packed episode. Like I said, there's so much um, going on in the non-con and so much that I want to talk to you about and tell you about and share with you. We're also going to drop in our interview with Matt Buttermore from a little over a week ago. So you may have already seen that. I did put that interview out separately. And we have another special guest for you, Emily Eman um, from the Big Ten Network. She played volleyball at Northwestern. She's an analyst now, a digital host for uh, the Big Ten Network. Absolutely incredible human, incredibly talented human, very sweet human. Love her so much. We sat down and chatted for probably a half hour, if not more. Um, I don't remember how long it was, but it was a lot of fun. So I definitely lost track of time. So we'll drop that interview in here for you as well. We'll talk about what's been going on in the non-con. And we will talk about what's um, on the way for, for league play, what you can expect or what I think you can expect as we know that that changes um, day to day. (laughs) And my opinions change day to day too. Uh, But the ones I have right now are pretty strong. So let's get into it. Let's start with Kansas City. Kansas City is on absolute fire in the absolute best way right now. They are eight and one. I don't remember the last time they started 
eight and one. They may have done that in the whack um, when they left the summit for a little bit before they came back. I'm not sure. But yeah, through their first nine matches, eight and one have the most wins in the league thus far. And just to give you, I guess, a little bit of background or a comparison, last year through their first nine matches, Kansas City was four and five. So they have completely flipped the script. Um, I'm going to give you some info here. It'll run across the bottom of your screen, but I'm going to tell you as well. By the way, I think this is a nice little touch. I like this about StreamYard because I can be telling you things and talking about a minute, and you can also see them on the bottom of the screen in case you miss them. Um, and they'll just keep going until I move on to the next school. So there's that for you. Uh, but let's get into it. Kaya Dunford. I will take more Kaya all day, every day, 103 kills already this season. I think through 30 sets, if I'm not mistaken, um, leading the team in kills and leading the summit, or sorry, excuse me, third in the summit um, in kills. We will get to the Summit League kill leader in a hot minute. Carly Gillen is leading the league in hitting percentage and in blocks. Sydney Henry has 14 aces and 307 assists and is leading the league in both of those categories and both aces and assists. Leah Green is leading the league in digs. And I just threw in here honorable mentions, Odyssey Warren and Kamora Whetstone, because these are names that need to be mentioned, even if they're not leading the league uh, or the team in anything. Kansas City, I know I said this last year and y'all didn't believe me and they didn't prove it either because they couldn't, didn't quite get to the tournament, uh, the conference tournament. But Kansas City, honestly, is a team to watch out for. Last year, Christy Posey came on our podcast and she told us a story. Uh, we were talking about music and she was talking about the Lizzo song about damn time. And she was like, yeah, one day in practice, I was just like, it's about damn time. You know what, Christy? It was about damn time. You were right. Your team is proving it. Kansas City is a team to watch out for. There are a few teams that I feel like could come out on top of the league this year. This is one of them. I will tell you who the other one is when we get there. Um, so, yeah, Kansas City going absolutely bonkers. Most notable win for Kansas City, I would argue, is over Missouri Valley Conference member uh, Missouri State. That was a five-set win, three to two for the Ruse. Um, and the only five setter that the Roos have played this season, if I am recalling correctly. So the Roos will host this weekend. They're going to play SEMO, Austin P, and St. Louis in the Sweeney Center. All three of those games on the Summit League Network through Midco Plus. By the way, this is a great time for me to talk about the Summit League Network um, through Midco Plus. You guys know me. I love Midco Sports. I stand Midco Sports. I just think they're the freaking greatest. They do so much um, for the league and provide coverage that we might not otherwise have and top tier coverage. If you ask me, I feel like Midco does such a great job. Um, so we now have the summit league network. Some fans have been asking for this. Some fans have not been asking for this. Some are happy about it. Some aren't. I don't really care. I'm happy about it. I can pay the money and watch all of the summit league games, at least the home ones um, for multiple sports in one place. So that makes me super happy. It's Midco. We get Midco guys, Midco people. I love that. Awesome, fantastic, super coolness, remarkable, great, love it. Let's move on to Oral Roberts. Um, first year head coach Luke Ward looking to turn the program around down in Tulsa. Something that I think that not a lot of people know um, that you'll actually find out in my interview with Emily Eamon later is Oral Roberts is the Summit League volleyball team with the most NCAA tournament appearances. I did not know that. I would have guessed that it was Denver. 
um, Denver is second. They have six. <laughs> ORU has seven. Um, but I think it's important to remember ORU has been in this league a long time. And the volleyball history in Tulsa is very rich. It is there. It does exist. They have been successful and extremely successful at that um, in the past. It may take some time for that to come back, but I do think that that success is coming back. And I think that Luke Ward um, is a good start, as is Trinity Freeman. Holy crap. <laughs> um, so ORU is 2-8 and eight right now, wins over Nichols State and UC Riverside. I think the Riverside win is a good win. I don't know what Riverside's record is, um, but that California conference, that West Coast conference can get pretty tough. You've got BYU out there. Or you did. I guess I don't know where BYU is going in conference realignment. Probably somewhere stupid. Conference realignment's a joke. What a joke. Don't even get me started on that. I guess I'm getting myself started. But anyways, uh, BYU, Loyola Marymount, Pepperdine, occasionally a tough team. Um, so those those California teams, and granted, I think um, UC Riverside's actually in the Big West, but they end up playing some of those teams is my point. Volleyball on the West Coast is rich is my point. So I think that Riverside is a good win. Um, I think it's just going to take some time, but ORU is going to get there. And speaking of Trinity Freeman, like I said, Summit League kills leader with 113 kills through 32 sets. I believe second place is Katie Van Egdom of South Dakota State with 112 kills through 32 sets. Um, so certainly, certainly a lot of um, spiking going on in the league, and Trinity Freeman is leading that. ORU is going to go to San Antonio this weekend to play UTSA and Incarnate Word. The UIW game will be on um, ESPN Plus on Friday night. So there is that for your viewing. Let us move on to North Dakota. North Dakota is three and six. I would not let the record fool you um, if I were you. They Same thing last year. Record maybe wasn't as great. They played a lot better than they had in a long time. Um, but I think that they showed us here and there that that they are worthy um, and are maybe a better team than their record shows. They've played a pretty decent schedule thus far. There's probably a couple matches in there that could and should have gone their way rather than the other way. Um, their most notable win is over Montana out of the big sky. Three and two, or three to two, excuse me, win there. Um, so a five-setter. I think that when we, as a, as a league, can get, I shouldn't say we don't come at me for being, I am one of those people. I'm one of those people who like, if I talk about the Vikings, I'll say we, or if I talk about the Jacks, I'll say we, or whatever, or like even at, I'm sitting at a Kansas city volleyball game doing this. And I'll say we like, I, I know that's terrible as a media person, but fan identity is a thing. Sports identity, social identity, look it up or read my published research when I finish my dissertation in four years look it up um anyways <laughs> as a league i think it's important when wins over conferences like the missouri valley or the big sky um and occasionally the mountain west when wins like that occur um because i wouldn't say we're on the same level as the mountain west per se just because there's some bigger schools over there but big sky missouri valley ohio valley those are kind of the nitty-gritty mid-major conferences at least in the area in the midwest and getting into the mountains and i think that it's important to pick up those wins here and there and going back to last year um usd did win the conference tournament so they didn't they didn't need their schedule to help them um get a bid and make us a two-bid league but if they had 
and I will say, I don't think they would have gotten it, but if they had the argument that I would have made was that they beat big sky champion, Northern Colorado. Um, and by the way, Northern Colorado shows up on a few summit league schedules um, this season. Most of those games have been played, but I think one of our teams is playing Northern Colorado this weekend. So, but just keep an eye on that. If I say, you know, like out of the big sky or out of the Missouri Valley or whatever, I'm saying that because those are important. wins. So it's, it's a big deal that Kansas city beat Missouri state. Um, it is a big deal that North Dakota state beat Montana, those types of things. Moving on. Just kidding. I need a drink. Cause I've been talking a lot already. All right, we're good to go. Moving on. If you're unaware, there is a new firm in Grand Forks, a new law firm, and enforcing the law and laying it down is exactly what they're doing. They're putting up massive blocks. I am talking about the firm of Stockman and Gale. If you've been following North Dakota Volleyball Twitter, you know the, the running joke is the Stockman and Gale firm. I don't know how that got started. I will have to ask um, Marissa or someone somebody who follows the podcast, please tell me if this was like a joke in practice or like how this came to be. I'm obsessed with it. The Stockman and Gale firm strikes again. Marissa Stockman and McAllister Gale are absolutely laying it down, giving us a blocking clinic. Um, I did put the North Dakota banner up. Okay, great. I believe that Marissa is third in the league in blocks and McAllister Gale is ninth. Just incredible. Also the soccer skills, McAllister Gale had a header last week and it went over the net. Marissa Stockman attempted that last year. It did not go over the net, went into the net. Um, but I just love like the multi-sport, the athleticism that's going on. It's fan freaking tastic. So if you want to see some good front row work, turn on a UND volleyball match. You will have an opportunity for that this weekend as they are taking on Northern Iowa, Northern Illinois, and the ranked Dayton Flyers over in Cedar Falls. North Dakota has a chance to beat a ranked team. Dayton just cracked the top 25 this week. I would argue well-deserved. Um, it's not often that you see a team like that ranked. The only other team that's kind of a, a smaller market team that does get ranked sometimes would be like a Western Kentucky. Um, so yeah, Dayton is number 25. Good opportunity for North Dakota to hopefully pick up a win. Somebody else played Dayton. I think it was North Dakota State who came to Ohio and played Dayton and um, and Ohio. I was going to say Athens. That's the city that the University of Ohio is in. If you don't know, I'm in Ohio <laughs> when I said I was in PhD school. So I'm getting very acclimated to the cities and what is where and what schools are where. Um but it's been good. I like it. I'm happy to be back in the Midwest and out of the South. The food is so much better up here. The water is better. Um, the people are my Midwest people. I just love it. So sadly did not get over to see North Dakota State, but we're going to talk about them in a hot minute. So let us move on. We are through three teams here. Let's talk about USD. I apologize for not having a lot in the ticker on the bottom. Um, I didn't have a lot to say, but I think that's because I'm not worried. So let me explain. USD is three and five. They were picked first in the preseason poll. I think it is very likely that they do finish first. Um, whether they go on and win the conference tournament, more up in the air. I do think it's likely that they finish first. However, I do think there are a couple teams that could take that away. I think Kansas City is one. At this, let me say, at this moment in time, based on how they're playing right now, 
based on not seeing anybody in the league play each other. Kansas City, I think, could beat USD. And I also think that North Dakota State could beat USD. Those are the two teams that I that I think USD maybe needs to look out for. But on the other hand, USD is going to USD. Yotes are going to Yote. They're going to be fine. I don't think that anybody should be extremely worried. I think you need to remember that they are probably still figuring out who they are a little bit. They do have a lot of returners. A lot of those returners maybe don't have all of the experience in the world, though. Um, obviously, Elizabeth Chunky is not on the court. And I think that while she is not the whole team, I think that she was a really solid part of that team. And I think that it's just going to take a little bit of time to get the other parts as solid. Um, but I don't, I was going to wait and talk about this at the end, but I guess just talk about it now. I think that that's what the non-conference is for. You can argue that like, you need to pick up wins in the non-con and you need to pick up notable wins. And that's true. Um, especially if you're not a two bid league in some ways, but I don't think that the summit is close enough to being a two bid league that we really need to worry about that. I think that our teams can take their time in the non-con to figure things out, play with different rotations, kind of mess around with stuff um, and just see what works and gain that experience. I think that's super important because this is a very cutthroat league. This league is tough. You saw it last year. We had a couple teams down to the wire. We didn't know who was going to make it where, by the way, I think this argument that I'm about to make is now harder to make with the loss of Western Illinois. Also, if you didn't know that, Western Illinois went back to the OPC. Um, we, we, as people who are in the media or podcasters or in and around the league, we knew that was going to happen. We saw that coming. However, did not see it coming when it came. When it happened, like, I remember in the basketball group chat, we were like, um, I thought they had, like, another year or three in them but no they they were up and out um so they're back in the OVC doing what works for them we wish them luck as far as Dale Star and the volleyball team goes they got some new jerseys this year they're dope they're fire you should go on Twitter and scroll back and check those out um but obviously we're always going to support them but back to what I was saying with the loss of Western Illinois this point that I'm about to make is tougher to make because with Western we had 10 teams now we have nine I think that with Western, the volleyball tournament probably should have been eight teams or at least, at the very least, seven and give the one seed a buy. At the very least. Because I, I think that you have teams like Kansas City, you know, fighting tooth and nail to get in. Um, and I think they deserve to be there. And I think that had they gotten into the tournament, we may have seen a different a different result than what we saw. So I don't know. That would be my argument. I don't think that six teams is enough. I think even with nine teams in the conference, I think that it needs to be seven. Um, if not eight, you know, in basketball, we've left one team out for years. Sucks if you're them, but I think that adds value to, to the conference schedule. So that's just me. Um, sorry for the rant. Let's keep going. Who are we talking about? South Dakota. I apologize. So USD is three and five. Pick person the preseason poll. They have played the second toughest schedule in the conference, in my opinion. 
typically USD is a team that's going to play the first, the, the absolute toughest conference schedule. Um, I'll tell you why that's not them when we, when we get further, they had a heartbreaking five set loss to Drake. They did, however, come back with a huge five set win over South Florida last week. I was told this, the attendance number was around 1600, um, at least 1600, I should say 1600, I think was the reported number or over 1600. That's incredible. Absolutely. Keep it up. Yotes fans, keep it up. And if you happen to be passing through Vermilion or if you're in the Sioux city area, go see a volleyball match because a, why not? The sport is growing. Like there's not a better, there's not a better time or opportunity for that. Um, I just think that's great. So great job Yotes fans on the attendance that you are setting. The Yotes will go to Green Bay this weekend to take on Green Bay, Illinois State, and Central Michigan. Good opportunity here to start a winning streak um, for the Yotes. I think that they can pick up a couple, if not three, this weekend. So they play Green Bay tonight um, in about half an hour, I think. That match will be on ESPN+. Plus. So when you're hearing this after I've edited it and put it out, that match will probably be happening. Um, So if you're hearing this like right now, jump on it. Let's move on to the bison, the bison, don't yell at me, of North Dakota State. Um, NDSU 7-2. They were picked second in the preseason poll. As I said earlier, there's a team or two in the league who I feel at this moment has a chance to take the conference title. NDSU is one of those teams. NDSU started 4-0. It was their best start in a while. I don't remember the specific stat, and I couldn't find the tweet because I've retweeted so much shit that I, I just couldn't find it when I went back to look for it. I want to say like 2006 or 2007 was the last time they started 4-0. Um, that might be a huge exaggeration, but I'm pretty sure that's a spider. Okay. Um, I was going to text my husband to come get it, but it's fine. <sighs> okay. Um, anyways, UND f- fudge buckets. NDSU swept in Moscow, Idaho. They beat Toledo. They beat Portland State. They beat Robert Morris earlier today. And they are taking on West Virginia as you are watching this. So, or as you will be watching this. That match starts in a half hour from right now. But when you're seeing this, it will be happening. If I'm still talking in a half hour, which I freaking hope I am not, um, and you see my eyes just like deflect, it's because I'm watching Alexis Bowling wreak absolute havoc. And yes, you will round out their non-con tomorrow with Old Dominion. That match will, I think, be on ESPN+. Plus. It sounded like Big 12 now slash ESPN+. Plus. So I'm not sure if there's like a caveat to that, um, but it should be available somewhere. All right, moving on again to South Dakota State. South Dakota State is another team who has struggled um, early this season. They're 2-7. and seven. They have wins over Winthrop and Alcorn State. Five-set loss to Kent State. That one was tough for me. That's where my allegiance is split because I, as I mentioned, am no longer teaching at Clemson and I'm now a student again and I happen to be a student at Kent State. So um, that one, I was like being pulled in both directions. Um, But yeah, five-set loss to Kent State. Keep in mind the Jacks cannot play at home because of the Frost renovations, the First Bank and Trust renovations. Um, They've been on the road this whole time 
this whole time they've been on the road. Um, I believe they will be playing some home games in the Bobcat gym at Brookings High. Um, but yeah, that's that's got to be tough to not even be able to play in your own gym. Not an excuse for two and seven. Um, again, I think that they're looking to not necessarily replace, but rework. You know, Crystal Burke's not there anymore. Sydney Andrews isn't there anymore. Uh, Anna Nirad, I don't think, is there anymore. They graduated quite a few people. Um, what they do have is Sydney Shetnan from Sioux Falls, who came back home from Louisville. Um, so that's good. That I think is going to be good for them. I think it's going to be good for Sydney, and I can't wait to see how she kind of works um, works into the rotation in league play. Wow. Thanks for kicking me off the Wi-Fi. What the heck? Um, SCSU has a tough weekend to round out the non-con. Montana showing up on their schedule. Boise State and Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount is a West Coast Conference team who beat some pretty good West Coast Conference teams last season. Um, so that will be certainly a tough weekend for SDSU. A building opportunity, learning opportunity, um, and potential for a win or two. All three matches there on the Mountain West Network. I do believe that is a free link, or at least it has been in the past. I may, however, be confusing that with the Big Sky, so I'm not sure. Um, but you should be able to access those if you if you go. Probably the best way is through SDSU's um, schedule. If you click on the volleyball schedule and then the little watch link, it will take you to the Mountain West, um, to their little link. All right, let's move on. Omaha Mavericks are 0 and 7. That being said, they have played the absolute toughest schedule in the league by far, by a million, by a lot. The Omaha Mavericks have played Texas A&M. You can't see me counting, sorry. Texas A&M, Nebraska, K-State, Iowa State, Kansas. That's five power fives. They're going to play Colorado. No. No, they're not. Sorry. Um, one, two, three, four, five. Five power fives plus Creighton, who is ranked, plus Long Beach State, who beat number one, former number one Texas on opening day. So the K-State match, which you'll hear in the interview with Matt Buttermore if you haven't watched that already, Kind of up and down. Omaha had a couple chances. Kind of let a couple big leads go. Um, you know, Coach said they're working on a lot. They're talking about just doing the right thing more often and making more winning decisions. And I think we're going to see them succeed maybe later on in league play. Um, but they're still kind of figuring some things out. But again, absolute toughest schedule. It's going to get tougher. They are going this weekend to Greeley to take on Big Sky Champion, Northern Colorado. Um, Wichita State, who's not doing the best, but has played a pretty tough schedule and I think is pretty talented, um, and Bradley. So the Northern Colorado match will be on ESPN+. Plus. The other two will be live streamed on YouTube. If you go through Omaha's schedule and click the link, it'll just take you straight to YouTube. Um, and you'll be able to watch those for freezies. Moving on again. 
to St. Thomas. Tang Pham, head coach, 21st season, I believe. Um, that's longevity. <laughs> St. Thomas is three and six. They lost a five setter on opening day to uh, Illinois, Chicago, who is at the top of the Missouri Valley. So again, we're seeing a lot of crossover with the Valley and the big sky and the summit league. And everybody is on everybody's schedules. Um, St. Thomas has wins over Cal Baptist, Evansville and Northern Illinois. They will finish the non-con this weekend with Illinois state and central Michigan. Unfortunately, neither of those matches will be available for viewing. St. Thomas hosted last weekend, I think a little volleyball classic, um, with three other teams. I believe that was the first time. So congrats to them. St. Thomas also just signed a media rights deal with Fox nine, um, in the twin cities area. I, didn't see a lot of info in the article. I think it said the last four football games of the season and then select basketball games and maybe another sport that I can't remember what it was. Um, so doesn't necessarily affect volleyball too much. You can still find volleyball games on the Summit League Network. Um, but good for St. Thomas. That's their first media rights deal ever, as far as I know, um, outside of like what what they have with the, the Summit League Network and Midco Sports. So that's pretty cool. Um, big D1 things for them. Moving on, finally, to our last team. Denver is one and six. Let me change the banner because I forgot it. Denver's one and six. Only win came over Idaho State just this afternoon, actually, when I was taking notes. <laughs> um, congrats to head coach Megan Pendergast. First career win as a head coach. First win at Denver. Congrats to you. Many more to come. If you don't know, Megan Pendergast came over from UCLA. I believe she also was an assistant coach at Omaha, UCLA, Omaha, and Tulsa, I, or Omaha, Madison. Oh, my God. UCLA, Oklahoma, and Tulsa are the places that Megan Pendergast was an assistant coach. <laughs> I've confused Omaha and Oklahoma since I was a little kid. Like, I'm really not dumb. I just sometimes say dumb things, so. My bad. Anyway, point being, UCLA most notably, Megan Pendergast has been on the coaching staff at some pretty incredible places for a long time. Um, certainly no shortage of knowledge, no shortage of enthusiasm for the game of volleyball. So we are excited to see what she will do at Denver. They will take on Colorado tomorrow uh, to close out their non-conference schedule. That game will be on the Pac-12 network on Pac-12.com. That is a free link. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was a half hour of just non-con stuff. So what can you expect from league play? I don't know. I don't know. I'm already very surprised by a lot of things. Um, I'm very surprised at what Kansas City is doing right now and the way that they're just absolutely ripping up everybody that they play. I love it, though. I think that they had the potential to do that last year, and it just kind of never manifested itself. I hate that word, manifested. I don't know why I said that. If you watch the I've Had It podcast, um, if you don't mind a little bit of language or vulgarity, um, they have a really good bit on manifesting <laughs> and the trend. You should look it up. Um, anyways, I think that Kansas City had the ability to destroy last year and they didn't they did not reach that potential so i love to see them do that this year i hope that it continues into league 
play. Um, I think it will be tougher. I think the, the league schedule is a tad tougher than what they've played in the non-con with the exception of like a Missouri state or something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Based on what I've seen, I think Kansas city could finish like in the, in the conference, um, in the standings, like in the regular season, probably as high as second, but could win the tournament. So there's that. What else has surprised me? North Dakota State has been very consistent this year. A tad bit less consistent last year. Again, it's the non-con, not the regular season. So, or not the regular conference schedule. Um, so anything could happen, but I'm I'm really surprised and pleased with the consistency of the product that North Dakota State has put on the court. Other things that surprise me, North Dakota being three and six, South Dakota State being two and seven. Um, I hope that they, you know, can turn that around a little. I think that this last weekend, as well as league play, is a good opportunity for that. South Dakota State's going to have a tougher time this weekend than I think North Dakota will, um, just because of the caliber of the teams that they're playing, but like I said, I think that the non-con is a time to take advantage of um, and, you know, work on things and mess with things and mess with rotations. And not all coaches do that. I wish more coaches would do that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think our league is going to be really good this year. I think it's going to look a little different than it did last year. I think we're going to see some teams like Kansas City a little bit higher than we saw them last year. And I think we're going to see – some teams um, a little bit lower than maybe we saw them last year. I don't know what to expect out of Oral Roberts, but I think that that bodes well for them. I think that not knowing what to expect is good. They've got a new coach. Um, they've got some new people in there. They've got a new system. Sure, they haven't won very many matches yet, but I think they will. I think that Trinity Freeman is going to lead them to a lot of good things as well as, as coach Luke Ward. So I don't know what to expect out of them, but I hope, I hope to see good things and I can't wait to find out Denver. I also don't really know, you know, what to expect. I, and I think that's normal with teams who maybe didn't perform like we thought they would last year. Um, and especially when you get new head coaches. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited. I hope, you know, those are two schools that, that we were not able to have on the podcast last year just because of, of scheduling and, and other things going on. Um, so definitely a priority for me to get Coach Pendergast and Coach Ward on the podcast if I can, if they're willing. Um, I would love to just kind of pick their brains and, and hear what's going on at their respective schools and be able to share that with you. Um, because I definitely don't want anyone to feel left out. Last year, I definitely heard some things from some people about, you know, us not like having everyone on the podcast. Remember that that's not always our choice. Um, I do what I can. If they say no, they say no. If they don't have time, they don't have time. That's probably the biggest one is like not having time. Let me take this banner off of here. Um, so yeah, just keep that in mind. If you have people you want me to talk to, if you know a super fan or if, you know, your local radio personality is super cool and loves volleyball, like, and, and covers your team, tell me. 
if you go to our website, um, you can drop us like a little email and that will come to me and I will see that. So definitely tell me if you, you know, if you know anyone you want on the show, if you want to be on the show, if you, you know, are into volleyball, you know what you're talking about. Um, let me know. I always tweet out when we're about to have guests and we're about to have coaches. So if you follow our Twitter account, um, you can send in your questions and all that good jazz. I should have put banners up with our Twitter stuff. I didn't. I'll do that next time. But yeah, Coolio Cool Beans. League play starts, I believe, next Thursday. Let me check really quick. Let me check my trusty iPad. Wow, I sound bad. Sorry, guys. Mm, okay. A little better. Not great. A little better. But I'm about to shut up soon so that you can listen to Emily Eamon and Matt Butterboard. <laughs> um, all right. Yikes. Summit League Volleyball. Let's look at the schedule. It looks like Thursday, September 21st is when league play starts. So I will go over this with you again next week. Um, but because it's probably going to come out on Thursday and you may not have time to watch it before the games, I'll give you the Thursday games. So we have um, SDSU at St. Thomas, 7 p.m., Summit League Network. North Dakota State at Oral Roberts, 7 p.m., Summit League Network. North Dakota at Denver, 7 p.m., question mark. I never know the Denver times. Is it in homeschool time? It must be. But it says all four games at 7 p.m. I'm going to assume that that's 7 p.m. Mountain. North Dakota at Denver at 7 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m., everybody else um also summit league network and then kansas city at omaha at 7 p.m not summit league network question mark um but omaha has a free stream on omavs so you can find that there we will recap that next week we'll talk about saturday's games next week i will hopefully have a guest for you i haven't heard back on that yet but i am hoping um, I will bump that email to the top of their inbox tomorrow and make sure that we have somebody for you so that you don't have to listen to me talk for another 40 minutes again. But if you didn't want to listen to me talk, why would you be here? Let's be realistic. Just kidding. I'm iconic, though. Just kidding. All right. That's all I have for you. I'm going to let you listen to my interview with Matt Buttermore. We're going to play some trivia games. And then right after that, Emily Eamon. And we're going to play some trivia with her as well. I will not be back after that because I will be watching the Vikings-Eagles game. So that's all I have for you. I am so glad that you're back this season if you're seeing this. I hope that you like the new um, format and what we're doing here. If you've got suggestions, please let me know. I'm always up to like develop my content creation and learn new things and try new things. So, all right. Awesome. Sayonara. Later, skaters. Don't forget to stay on the summit. All right. Summit Rotation fans, Summit League Volleyball fans. Whoever you are, we are back. It's season two, and I have the biggest guest that I've ever had who certainly needs absolutely no introduction. But if you don't know who this is, this is Emily Eamon, Big Ten Volleyball Analyst, former Northwestern Volleyball standout. Emily, so glad you're here. 
So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. There's not a ton of volleyball podcasts or web shows out there. So, you know, I, I say yes to them all and I'm really happy to be on yours because you're doing an incredible job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, that's really cool that you just said that to me. <laughs> um, awesome. I just want to like, I just want to talk about volleyball. So I guess I want to start with like your student athlete experience. You graduated from Northwestern in 2019, correct? I yeah, yeah, finished so, playing in 2019, graduated in 2020. Okay, awesome. What was it like to be a, a Division One college athlete? I mean, playing volleyball, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was, I mean, some of the most fun years of my life. I, I love Northwestern so much. It was my dream school from a super young age. I, my mom grew up around the Chicago area, Northwest Indiana. So we get, like grew up coming to Chicago all the time. And Northwestern being about a half hour outside of the city, that was kind of always my dream school. It was close to Chicago, semi-close to home, but not too close to home. And my biggest thing when picking in college was I really wanted to get a journalism program. And that landed me with, you know, Northwestern, um, Syracuse, Cornell, some of these top journalism schools. And, you know, I always knew I wanted to go into broadcasting and it ended up working out. My high school coach knew the Northwestern coach at the time who was not who I ended up playing for, but it worked out. I um, ended up walking on, committed, I think the end of my sophomore year, maybe beginning of my junior year. And it was incredible. I mean, from the minute I stepped on campus, it felt like home to me. The girls felt like home. Um, and then we had a coaching change before I came in and I could not have been more happy with um, ending up with Shane Davis. He's one of the greatest people on the planet, um, a father figure to me now, you know, friend and mentor I have in this space. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, in terms of volleyball, we, I mean, we didn't win a lot of games. We were bottom of the Big Ten as, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to win games in the Big Ten, especially when you're rebuilding a program. But seeing where that program was when I came in in 2016 to seeing where it is now is is super cool. You know, we're beating top 10 teams. Uh, we're getting a lot more airtime on, on networks. And, you know, just seeing the job that Shane's done has been so exciting to think of where that program came from. And the other thing I will say is, you know, you're playing in the Big Ten, so it's not only the hardest volleyball conference, but you're also going to school at Northwestern, which is one of the top schools in the country. And that was really difficult. Um, I, I've never been someone who necessarily struggled with grades, but I also didn't necessarily have to work as hard as I did in school until I went to Northwestern. And that was, it was really hard to balance. You know, of course you're balancing volleyball and academics, but I also wanted to have a social life. And I also, you know, wanted to get sleep and something had to give there. So I basically ended up getting no sleep throughout college, but I will say it was absolutely worth it. And I had a blast um, when I look back at my time, like truly best four years of my life. It was, it was so, so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I also want to talk about, um, I mean, growing up in Indiana, you're a Midwest girly, like myself, I'm from South Dakota. Um, and the Midwest is a really rich area for volleyball. I mean, volleyball, yeah. like and breathes in the Midwest and there are coaches all over the country that came from the Midwest. So just what was that? I mean, you mentioned Northwestern being your dream school, but I, you're also close to, you know, Ohio State and Wisconsin is in the area. And just these other schools that are, that are really have rich volleyball histories. Yeah, I think a lot of people, if, if they don't know volleyball, they think of, you know, the sport and they think of Southern California or, or schools like that. And I don't think a lot of people outside realize how big of a hub the Midwest is. You know, you think about just growing up in clubs like 
you know, sports performance clubs like Munciana. Uh, I played at Circle City, um, a, a really good club in Indianapolis. And there's so many great clubs in the area. And volleyball is so big for, you know, young girls coming up in the game. And the clubs are incredible. So many high school teams are just top notch. I mean, I, my whole life in club from, I don't know, like age 10 to sophomore year of high school, I was playing, playing at a local club that wasn't very big. And we would, you know, we didn't go to any of the USA tournaments. We'd go to AAUs every year in, in Orlando, but I ended up switching to Circle City my junior year. And that opened my eyes even more to like how many good people there were. And, you know, I ended up playing on a twos team my entire time there because everyone on the ones team was like going to Stanford, like starting for Ohio State, like all these crazy schools. And um, I, it really opened my eyes to how many good players there were in the area because I don't think I realized that. And not only on, you know, at my club, but clubs nearby that just had absolute studs and thinking now in the position that I'm in, in terms of covering the sport, like there's so many coaches that have come from, you know, places like Muncie, um, or just like the coaching trees. So many of them are Midwest heavy. I don't think people realize that I, I would say out of the entire country in terms of girls coming up through the game and coaches like the Midwest is really where it's at with, you know, um, I, I'm going to lump Nebraska in there, but like Nebraska, Indiana, Ohio state, Kentucky, Wisconsin, there's so many good players and coaches coming from those places. Yeah, absolutely. I just think of, um, I used to live in Clemson. I lived there for two years and went to all the volleyball games. Huge fan of Jackie Simpson here and just what she's doing with that program. Um, but half of Clemson's roster is like Illinois, Indiana, <laughs> like all these places. You you just wouldn't expect that. Um, so yeah, there's a girl in the Summit League. Her, her name's Tamara Whetstone. She plays for Kansas City. I'm sure she's not the only one, but she came out of Montana and she's yeah. so good. Just it's just yeah. insane. So yeah, I think and I think that one of the things that the Midwest can lay claim to like is volleyball. There's not a lot of other sports that the Midwest can say like we built this. Um, but it yeah, seems I it seems that way for volleyball. It's funny too, cause I, so I growing up in Indiana, I mean, it's the, it's a basketball hub. You know, I grew up in a basketball family. My um, uncle played basketball at Indiana. So, you, you know, I had like basketball in my blood and, um, you know, watching him, he's a sportscaster. He was for ESPN in college basketball. And like, it's such a basketball hub, but you know, I think that's mainly just for men. Like every, every girl was playing volleyball, you know, they would do basketball on the side, but it was really a volleyball hub. And even in a state where, like you automatically think basketball, it's still for girls was, it was always volleyball. That was a go-to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's your favorite part of your job right now? What do you love so much about broadcasting? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I always knew I wanted to be a broadcaster. I think part of it is staying in sports, but not having to play or coach. I knew I never wanted to coach, but I knew I wanted to be around sports and I wasn't good enough to play professionally, nor would I want wanted to play professionally. Cause that would mean I have to go overseas and all of that. But I think my favorite part now is being able to tell the stories of the game. Now, whether that's the story of a certain athlete or a coach or a program, or just a story of how a game is unfolding. I, I love that. It's, different every time, you know, I can walk into a game and it's never going to be the same as a game I did a week ago, even if I have the same teams, you know, uh, I think back to last year, like I had say a Nebraska, Wisconsin, like the storylines for one game are way different than the storylines a month later. And, you know, the, the players are constantly changing. The teams are evolving. And I love that story aspect of it where, you know, I can tell, you know, feature type stories of coaches or players, but 
when the game's unfolding, it's always different. Um, and it's really, really fun. And I, I like the fact that I can also just be around athletics again with, without having to play or coach, because that was never something that, that I wanted to do. I think that's interesting. Do you like, do you have a reason why you didn't want to coach? Cause it's very rare. I think to hear an athlete say, I'm never doing that. Yeah. You know, I, I will say like, I don't, I don't love dealing with uh, like middle school aged people, even like high school people. It's not my jam. Yeah. I feel like don't, it's, they're too moody. It's too much for me. Um, I so was I think, unbearable in middle school. Yeah. I'm like, I know how I was. I wouldn't want to have coached me. Um, I think also um, my, my uncle that played basketball at IU, he also was a coach. Um, and I grew up most of my life. He was coaching at Bowling Green and, and watching, you know, just how that affected the personal relationships he had, like having to move all the time and being gone all the time. Um, I, I never wanted that for myself. You know, I think my job is interesting that I, I'm still gone all the time in that sense, but I also have the stability of having a, a job constantly and not having to worry about like getting fired unless I do something crazy. Whereas if you're going up in the coaching tree, like you have to move from place to place to make it, especially even if you're a head coach, there's constantly pressure. If you lose one bad game, like your career, could not your career, you know, you could get fired from that school. So I think I like the stability of being around sports, but not having the pressure of having to win and that performance based aspect. Of course, my job, you know, I am performing, I'm entertaining. That's part of it, but I don't have to worry about at the end of the day, like a win or a loss. It's just how I do. And I can control that, which is nice. I don't have to worry about other people. I'm not coaching other people to do it. Like I know if I'm failing at that, it, it's me and it's not someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are your thoughts on just volleyball's like rise in popularity where volleyball was 10 years ago? Um, the fact that we just broke a world record in a freaking football stadium, the pro volleyball federation now that's coming up. Like I just, all of it. What are your thoughts on all that? It's been so cool to see. And I think back even to when I was in college, which wasn't that long ago, you know, I, I started in 2016 and thinking about the, the media coverage that we had was so bare minimum. I know, you know, I can really only speak for big 10 network because I see their numbers all the time, but you know, in the last, I think, seven years, we've doubled the amount of games that we've had on the network. Viewership has risen like 200%. It's it's crazy the amount of people that are watching the sport. And a lot of that is coming from the rise in a lot of young girls playing. So volleyball now is the most played sport am among young girls. And I think that has a really big drive in who's watching these games. And, you know, people now falling in love with some of these athletes and teams because of the rise of really social media and, and TV grasping on because they can see these athletes in a different light. They can connect with them a little bit more. I think a lot of that is driving it. I also will say, I think how good USA volleyball has been is really helped. And I don't think people talk about that enough. You know, this team won a gold medal in 2021 and people I think started to notice how big volleyball was, how exciting it is to watch when you have something to root for, especially on the Olympic level, it really draws you in. Like, for example, I'd, I've never cared about curling in my life, but you know, you watch the like USA curling team and they're winning medals left and right. It's, and it's so right. fun. And like, I didn't care before, but I think people that when you watch volleyball and you turn it on, it's a sport that is really hard to turn off because of how fast paced it is, how athletic everyone looks, you know, how impressive it is to see these athletes doing what they're doing. Um, and it's been so exciting, you know, just to see coming off of that Olympic year and USA winning a gold medal to now, you know, record viewership on nearly every single network, more games going on every single network. It's been so exciting. And now to have 
professional leagues in the U.S. starting up. You know, Athletes Unlimited started in 2021 with their volleyball league. They're going on season three here in the fall. We have Pro Volleyball Federation starting up in January. It's a perfect time because people have realized how fun this sport is to watch, how much they like it. And I think what the networks are also realizing is that when they put it on and when they advertise it and promote it, like people want to watch it and they're not turning the TV away. You know, I know at Big Ten Network, one thing that we really try to do is schedule games, say on a Saturday, like after football games, because what we find is it doesn't hurt the viewership. It really helps propel it because people will keep that game on because it's so exciting. Um, so I think that's been fun to see, you know, the viewership grow and people that are, you know, the heads, the coordinating producers, the people that are managing um, a lot of those time slots are really tinkering with stuff and getting creative and it's paying off because we're seeing record viewership. And what that means is that the sport's growing because now it's going to be on TV more. Now people see it, you know, and growing up, they can say, oh, I want to play for a team that's going to be on TV more. That looks super fun. So, you know, it, there's so many factors that are going into it. But it, for someone who has been playing the sport since I was nine years old and who has now made a career out of it, it's the most exciting thing ever to see the sport just exploding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a question that comes from someone that is a loyal seventh rotation listener. Um, his name is Troy. We love Troy because he always answers gives me questions when I ask for them, but he wants to know something that mid-major fans grapple with um, is not necessarily getting enough attention. Broadcasters not knowing anything about us, calling us San Diego State when we're actually South Dakota State. Just had to throw that one in there. I know, never yeah. you. I know it wasn't you. Just throwing that out there. Um, but what is your, I guess something that, that we grapple with is, are we just being loyal fans or like, is this actually special? You know, like we can fill arenas too. What is your perception of mid-major volleyball? Yeah, I, I think it's been exciting to see because as we're talking about, you know, a lot of these other teams getting viewership numbers, I feel like there has been a really big growth at the mid-major level. And that's not only just like getting better recruits and these teams getting better. I think we've seen it across volleyball as a whole, not just from power five teams, but a lot of mid-majors too. Like, they're getting a lot better. And in these preseason games, like they're pushing teams, you know, I, and, and I know, I think it's probably difficult as a fan and someone that's very passionate about, you know, say, say the summit league specifically, or any even major conference. It's like, you want to see what's happening for these other conferences and in, in teams and programs. You want to see that happen for you. And I think that's so important to continuously push that conversation, keep asking for it. And I would say to answer your question, my perception is that, it's getting a lot bigger. You know, I think say, for example, for the last few years, a player like Elizabeth junkie, like she does wondrous things for mid-major programs because now people know of her, they know of the school, which means they probably know of the conference a lot more. You're more willing to watch those games because you have recruits and players like her that are pushing it forward. So I think as the sport grows, mid-majors have also grown a lot because now you know you can get these bigger recruits in these places which just draws eyeballs to it which is so important in just elevating a lot of these mid-major conferences and programs to get more eyeballs on it yeah absolutely somebody sent me a tweet last year um after volleyball season that said at the time i don't know if it ended up this way but it said at the time um the university of south dakota had like the number four recruiting class volleyball and we were like did, did we read that right <laughs> like are we sure um but i mean i think that like leagues like the summit league specifically 
have a lot to pick from being in the, you know, South Dakota, Nebraska, like being in that area, there's no reason, um, no reason that we can't get there. So um, awesome. Before we play our little trivia game, I do have a question from someone who will remain nameless until after I finish the question. Um, but they would like to know which NCAA Libro can or will break Kristen Hahn Tupac's Athletes Unlimited jig record of 24 digs and three sets. <laughs> Does it have to be an Athletes Unlimited player? Um, no, which NCAA Libro can or will? Oh. This season, I, I mean, I would say Kylie Murr. I think she's right now putting up numbers that are the in literally insane. Um, insane. Insane. And I I will say to me, I think of a of libero like Lexi Rodriguez, and I think people people know how good she is, so they avoid her so she doesn't get the numbers. But I think for Minnesota specifically, like she's taking up literally half the court, so they can't hit around her. Um, and I think the numbers right. she's putting up are just literally insane. And at least for me getting to cover her all the time, like my jaw just drops every time she makes a play because I just like truly cannot believe it. Um and as a libero myself, I I'm like, I can't even imagine making any of these plays and she just does it left and right. So I, I don't know. She's uh she's up there for me in, in terms of defensive player of the year, I would say. Well, and that's why I um Kristen obviously that came from Kristen. Kristen, Kristen yeah. wrote the question. Yeah, Kristen wrote the question um as can and I changed it to can or will because <laughs> there's like Lexi Rodriguez can, yeah. but will she? Like I think it's probably more yeah. of a yeah. I would agree with your with your analysis. Also, when Kristen she sent me that question, love you. She's the best. Well, when she sent me that question, um, she was like, "I have a question for Emily." I was like, "Okay," like waiting for her typing. And then she, when the next text came through, or whatever, and I read it, I was like, "So you guys know each other, right?" Like, I didn't know if you knew each other or not. Well, but I was she, like, "The way this is coming." She, uh, I think. So I, I covered her in Athletes Unlimited their first season in the bubble. So like, I got to know the girls really well, and I remember. I mean, she was just balling out that year. Um, and I remember telling her that she had like the most digs in a game or something. And I, cause I'm really into stats, especially when I'm like post-game interview, like I like to throw a lot in there. And I remember telling her, um, it was like, Kristen, you just had the most digs in a, in an athletes unlimited match, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, Oh my God, I, I did. That's so exciting. It was like, it was the cutest thing. Cause she, you know, they're playing out there. They have no idea how many digs are putting up, but no, she was the best. She was a, she's a baller. Um, I, I always loved watching her. She did things that not a lot of liberos are doing. Yeah, she, um, I'm still getting to know everyone kind of, cause this is only my second season in this. I've been doing basketball for longer, but for volleyball, it's pretty new. But, um, she, when I interviewed Omaha's coach the other day, whenever that was earlier this week, um, she sent me a DM and said, question for Buttermore, ask him if he considered a sky ball for first serve against Nebraska. And I was like, Oh my God. Someone said that to me too. They're like, someone please throw in a sky ball just to do it and i was like just for kicks and giggles good just to like get a funny clip out there on social or something like might as well yeah no okay well he said they messed around with him in practice on tuesday but <laughs> he said it's one thing to do it there and i said exactly it's one thing to have to go more on the driving range it's another thing to do it on the course so yeah on like in like yeah. the biggest stage in volleyball ever um no he's yeah no he's kidding in front of a world record <laughs> he's yeah he's, a hero. he's awesome um, all right. We are going to play a little trivia game. Can you see this? Is this showing up? I can see it. I will preface this with, I don't know how I'll do, but I'm going to do my best. 
That's okay. This is all fun and games. So this is definitely valuable trivia with Emily Eden. All right, your first question. In 2022, what Summit League program became the first, oops, sorry, my logo is covering that up, became the first team in the league since 2017 to win both the regular season and tournament title in the same season? I actually know this, South Dakota. You are correct. Woo, here we go. <laughs> one for one. All right, what Summit League program has made the most NCAA tournament appearances with seven? I feel like I feel like Denver's had a lot of really good runs. Um I I guess I'll I'll go Denver. All right, it is Oral Roberts. Dang it. I did I did the same thing you did. So actually, shout out Michael Palmer from the league for these questions. Um, Michael Palmer has never not come through for me when I'm te- when I've texted him with something. But he sent me these and I said, are these all volleyball related? He said, yeah. And I said, no way number two is Oral Roberts, Denver. And he was like, no, Denver has six. Um, Oral Roberts has been in the league so long. They did leave for a short time. But I think it was, um, what did he say? I have to find the number now that he sent me for like all the years sense. that they made it. Yeah, because I feel like Denver, more so in recent years, probably has made the tournament. Yeah. Like, I can't, I don't even know the last time Oral Roberts was in it. I feel like it's been. Um, a- he said – ORU was 1997 to 2002 in a row, and then um, 2006. Okay, so, yeah, long time yeah. ago. But that, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feel bad about that one, because I got to run too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, where was last season Summit League tournament held? I'm literally just going to guess. Uh, Kansas City. Omaha. Dang it! <laughs> This year, it will be in Vermillion, South Dakota, because it is held at the um, school who won the regular season the year prior. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, besides Elizabeth Junkie, who is the other Summit League student athlete named an ABCA Honorable Mention All-American last season? McKenna Rook. You are correct. How many is that? Are I've got two right, two wrong, and you got. I've I'm fifty-fifty right now, so 50-50. batting five hundred. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good batting average. <laughs> um, what summer league school this season? This season broke a record for the most wins to start their season in their program's history, going six and zero. You are correct, Christy Posey, Queen Christy Posey's Kansas City. Um, South Dakota was projected to finish first in this season's Summit League preseason poll. Who was projected to finish second? Omaha? North Coast State. Oh! <laughs> Omaha was projected um, third, I think. See, I should know that I just had their game. I knew they were up there. I knew that, I just remember they weren't picked first, which makes sense. Yeah. But... Yeah, the Summit League has really kind of been anybody's league lately um yeah south dakota had a, had a couple runs for their money last year um yeah. which summit league head coach has been the head coach at their school the longest posey you'd think um she has been i think this is her 13th season um luke ward is in his first Leanne's been there a while. I don't know how many, though. And actually, Tang Sam at St. Thomas, this will be his 21st season. Dang. 
Yeah. He All has right. walked through fire and rain with the Tommies. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, I didn't show the right, but yeah, there's the right answer. Um, I think those are all the questions. They are all the questions. Did I get three, two? I think three, three or four. <laughs> I'll t- I'll take that. And I it's again, I'm not really, knowing anything. Not well. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely know some things, but I think for me, like I again have only been. I graduated in 2020, so I've only been in you know the the business for about three years now. So I I feel like I know all the uh, recent relevant things, but. If we start going back, I couldn't even tell you things about the Big Ten. So. Oh no, it was it was all fun and games. And truthfully, like, sure, this is a Summit League podcast, but I didn't like bring you on here to talk about the Summit League. Brought you on here to just like shoot degrees, you know. Um, <laughs> and not, and I think like as mid major fans, like we know that not everybody knows everything. We just don't want to be called the wrong school name at all. <laughs> Super fair. I think it's <laughs> funny too, even. I think maybe, and this is just a women in sports thing, but, and I will say, don't run into this as much with volleyball, but you know, you'll start talking sports with someone and they'll be like, Oh, well, who was the tournament champion back in 1997? And what was the coach's name? And I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? Who here? cares? Literally. Yeah. Who cares? Also, I wasn't alive. So whatever. No kidding. I was not even in the womb at that point. Um, what are we doing? No, it's just not worth it. I saw a tweet the other day. Um, about the world record that was broken in Nebraska last week or the week before. And someone had retweeted it or quote tweeted it and said, um, this should shut up the nobody watches women's sports crowd. And I was like, for real. But there are still people, there are still people out there saying things know, like I, that. And I'm just like, at this point, it's like if we've proven it to you and you still just refuse to believe it, not my problem anymore. I think part of it is like, yeah, I because doing that game, I feel like my Twitter feed for the most part was 99% full of like, this is so, so cool. People that like don't even watch, you know, volleyball in general. Like, you know, you have people like Magic Johnson, Pat McAfee, like tweeting about it. And then you have that 1% that's like, oh, well, there, of course, because there's a concert after. And it's like, well, if you knew anything about this and you actually were there, um, maybe 2000 people stayed for that concert. Like literally no one cared at all. They actually were annoyed that it came on so quickly because people couldn't take pictures after the game. And like, I, I don't know. I think people, some people just don't get it. And I think there's that 1% that just is never going to get it. And I don't think this is about proving things to them. I think it's about showing people that we're here to stay and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to believe in it or not. You don't have to support it, but it's here and it's only going to get bigger. Absolutely. And it's sustainable. Like if, yeah. if it was ever to prove anything, it's that it's sustainable. And it's, that's so clear now. It doesn't yeah. even matter anymore. So. Yeah. And it's like the people that you look up to, like the Joe Burrows of the world, they're, you know, investing millions of dollars in pro leagues because they believe it can also work. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, absolutely. New professional women's volleyball league, professional women's hockey league is now up and coming. Like there's just so many awesome things that are happening. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was so cool. I'm glad that I needed absolutely zero retweets to get you on the podcast. <laughs> I, I I come on everything anyone asks me to if I can. And I'm again, I love what you're doing. I think it's so important to boost up some of these programs that don't get enough love. Because um, I think, you know, a lot of us are fighting the good fight of pushing volleyball forward, but not enough people are doing it for the teams that don't already get recognition. So I love what you're doing. It's awesome. Again, you do an incredible job. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. All right. Seven Fertation fans, that is Emily Eman. We will be back after this.
All right, listeners, we are back. New season, and we already have a guest for you. And it is Coach Matt Buttermore um, of Omaha. Coach, you're in your fifth season now, correct? Correct. Awesome. Fifth season, you're coming off back-to-back 20-win seasons, back-to-back Summit League Championship match appearances, and your first-ever postseason experience in the NIBC last year. So certainly some great things happening um, in the program. So firstly, I have to... um, I have to ask about volleyball day in Nebraska. You know, a lot of the conversation has been focused on the Huskers, but obviously being in Omaha, um, that was that was a big experience for you guys as well. So just talk to me a little bit about what the experience meant for you and for your team and, and your staff. Yeah, you know, God is always good, but some days you feel more blessed than others. And that was, that was definitely one of those days. Um, and uh, happy for our student athletes. You know, you think of you know old student athletes that you wish you know could have experienced it as well. Um, you know, as, as somebody that grew up in the state, and knew, I know you know a lot of the people that were honored and, and personally and things like that. So just uh, for me personally, it was just a really neat day. Uh, I, I never had a doubt that the stadium would sell well. I, I probably wouldn't have called a, a you know a super fast sellout, but I, I knew it was going to be more popular than they thought, um, but you know I was happy. Our coaching staff got to experience that. I think our, our you know our student athletes that came and watched, or other students uh, here at UNO that came down and made the trip, we appreciate them. Uh, and uh, we were, it was just a, it was a wonderful wonderful experience for for everybody. Yeah, awesome. Certainly would have called that the stadium would fill up, but uh, world record was not on my bingo card. So that's pretty awesome for for volleyball and, and for the Summit League to get to be a part of that as well. Yeah. Um, a couple couple follow-ups to that. A listener mentioned to me that you seem to share a laugh with Nebraska's Coach Cook um, post-match, and he wants to know if you can tell us how that conversation went. Uh, uh, he said, you guys passed really well. And I said, yeah, we just couldn't score. And he's like, yeah, who can set in the wind? And, uh, and that was... I think that was a, you know, just, you know, glad we could be here. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, I think that's pretty much it. And a couple other uh, exchanges. I mean, we, I'd seen them probably a week or two before in another interview. So we'd, we'd already talked a little bit about things then and, thing, uh, and everything. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was it. Awesome. Um, another follow-up. This is from someone who will remain nameless until your answer to the question is given. Um, okay. <laughs> but the question is, did you consider a sky ball for your first serve at Memorial Stadium? Is this from Ted? No, it is not from Ted. Uh, no, I never considered it. We did mess around with them on Tuesday at practice, but uh, it's one thing to uh, it's one thing to hit one in practice. It's it's another thing to actually do it in front of ninety two thousand people. So. Yeah, absolutely. One thing to Happy Gilmore in practice and another thing to Happy Gilmore on the course. Right. Um, it was from Kristen Tupac, actually, from Kristen oh, Tupac. Okay. I was surprised when I saw she sent me a DM. I was like, what is Kristen up to? And she said, for Buttermore. And I was like, okay, uh, I see what we're doing here. Yeah. No, it never crossed my mind, but uh, we had some fun with it on Tuesday. It was kind of windy on Tuesday as well, so which is weird. We had a really calm summer here in Nebraska and at least in the Omaha area, very little wind. And so we kind of had two 
wouldn't say new super windy days, but definitely windier than we've had. So that was a little unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is. Would you have rather it been windy as it was or had been 100 degrees as it has been? Ooh, that's two tough decisions. I would probably go with the heat, actually, though, uh, especially because by the time we played, the sun was down and we thought the wind would help us. It kind of, uh, with our tempo and stuff, we'd con uh, control the ball a little better. Uh, but really, it just became a little harder to set. And, you know, we're giving up probably six inches in reach uh, on swings and things. So, uh, and so our windows are smaller to hit for our setters. So, um, and so it just, it just made those kinds of things harder and they were able to dominate us at the net um, in a way that we maybe weren't, weren't thinking would happen with the wind. So uh, now maybe the scores would be the same if it wasn't windy. I don't really know, but we, uh, it, it was frustrating because we thought we played pretty good defense and stretches, but couldn't capitalize in, in transition. Yeah, well, and it's hard to practice in that or, or for that as well, especially when the weather changes all the time. I mean, if we really go, I mean, um, we switch every seven points and everything. That's what you do in the beach, but it's it is what it is, and yeah. it's very experience. And uh, I don't know if it would. I mean, I don't know. You never know. Without that, that was just one thing we were thinking. So if we ever get a chance to play in front of ninety-two thousand people again. We'll maybe do something different, I guess. I don't know. Awesome. Um, this is a combination question for me and from our listener, Troy G. from Sioux Falls. Um, getting into your schedule a bit, you started the season with four Power 5 opponents. And back-to-back, -back, I think, Texas A&M, Kansas, um, Nebraska, and K-State. So kind of how did that schedule fall into place, I guess, is part one. And then part two is, have you seen anything in practice that you've been able to implement, you know, from playing Power 5 opponents? And then lastly, does the team look forward to those opportunities? Are they excited about it? Uh, the last question, yes, I think so. I, I, you know, it, you have to be careful. You don't want to just – we want to play games, and we, we think we have the talent to, to compete with these teams. So – uh, maybe we're not quite experienced enough yet, but um, so that, that's kind of your first question. So we have to be careful. I think there is excitement. Uh, obviously, there's excitement for Volleyball Day. K-State, they're opening their new beautiful arena. They really did a nice job with that. Um, so there's excitement. Um, how the schedule came together, you know, we were going to go play at UIC second weekend because Volleyball Day originally back in January, was they, were, they slotted in a Tuesday. So we thought, well, we can still get on a plane and go play. And that would have been mid-major programs. But once it got moved to Wednesday, I didn't think that was a good uh, setup for us. And I thought a bus trip, you know, and one match that weekend would be the best. And that's, you know, K-State just happened to have the, the perfect opening. And, you know, and, and frankly, I thought we really gave ourselves a chance to win that match in, in two sets or change the tone of the match for sure in two sets. And, you know, uh, we thought we thought we would do better in that match, to be honest. So, um and, you know, the first weekend we had KU on return because we went there last year and, you know, that just uh, Texas A&M wanted to come and play us. And so that's just the way the first weekend worked out. So so some of it's we do always schedule aggressively. We never we won't shy away from anyone. And some of it's just luck or, you know, perfect storm on some things. Yeah. So you mentioned K-State, um, which is something that I 
wanted to bring up. I was certainly a combination of standing and sitting and screaming at the TV throughout that match. Um, like you said, it probably could have gone a little bit better. What are you working on to make sure that when you get in those big lead situations that you can kind of stay strong and not necessarily fall apart in those moments? We just got to make, do the right thing, you know, is what we, we talked about today uh, in film and in, in practice. So um, we have to make winning decisions more often. We, we are making the game way too easy. You know, even going back to, to KU, uh, you know, we hit the ball to the libero or their middle back defenders, who one of them is really, really good, uh, way too much. Uh, and just the game is too easy for the other team on the other side of the net against us right now. So that's something we've been really working on. I think we did a, a little better job of that at K-State, uh, but we still had a, some situations where we just gave them free points and gave them easy situations on their side of the net when we really could have messed up the game for them and made it a lot harder. So that's been, uh, in addition to some of the connections and uh, the other stuff, um, you know, when we, we play great defense, we're playing better defense now. Uh, all right, what, what are we going to do with this ball, even if it's not quite right? So uh, that's been the emphasis right now. Maybe we don't really need to do much better. We just need to make a few better decisions during the set, uh, and we'll get two points out of that. And certainly Friday, that would have made a huge difference. Uh, you know, and in these other matches, you know, well, against Texas A&M, that would have made a huge difference. Uh, and, you know, you put a little more pressure, two points on the other team, and maybe they make a few errors, and, and then maybe we push KU a little bit farther, you know, and, and have a chance to win that match. You know, maybe we break 20 against Nebraska. So these are, these are the things we're working on. Awesome. Um, also from our listener, Troy G, he says, on paper, you have a really experienced and really tall front court, but some of these other schools have kind of leveraged the transfer portal. So regarding the portal, do you see – mid-major specifically being advantaged or disadvantaged by the portal? Well, I have no idea. Um, I think for us, it's a lot of times these kids want to come home uh, and, and do they, you know, align with well, what our needs are, what our scholarship availability is. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, we never want to bank on the portal in any year. I think that's a, uh, some programs leave a scholarship free for the portal. I've heard, I don't really know. I've heard of that strategy. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. We want to uh, recruit, you know, great kids from the region. Occasionally, go out of the region, obviously, but uh, and and develop them and build them up. And you know, we want you know to work with them for four years. That's our goal. We want four-year players. So uh, transfers have helped uh, us, obviously, with you know Jaden and Bus and Kennedy and. Uh, you know, Erica's a JUCO transfer. It's a little different, but um, so we've certainly benefited from the portal in the past. This year didn't really work out for us, and actually, actually, it might have worked out for us because I don't know if we would have had Amanda if we would have got somebody in the portal. So she was a very late commit. Yeah, awesome. Um, you mentioned Erica Fava, who that's where I was going next. Actually, next question. She put on a serving clinic this weekend. Um, yeah seems to be an awesome player, uh, came over from Western Nebraska. Can you just talk a little bit about her and how she's impacted your team in the short time that she's been here? Yeah, she's uh, she's passing really well, so that's an impact. Um, and she's just a, a really good athlete, a lot of experience. She, she hit at Western Nebraska. She was a two-time All-American there. Uh, her family's a volleyball family. You know, her parents have played professionally. Her, her siblings have played professionally in Italy. So, uh, you know, she just knows the game really well. 
uh, and, you know, loves being, you know, she went to high school in Kansas her senior year, and then COVID happened and she missed a year, and then she was back. So for a JUCO. So, um, so her impact has been, you know, passing. Uh, her serving is, was a lot more consistent this last week. We saw the kind of pressure she can put on other teams. So that was that was really neat to see. Uh, and then as she kind of gets acclimated to the rest of our system, you know, she'll continue to get better and better. Awesome. I think um, I answered. Yeah, you did. Absolutely. Um, I like to frame my questions as talk to me about this so that there's not really yeah. a question there and you can just say whatever. There we go. Um, Oh, yeah, this is what, what I really wanted to get to. You have is this from Troy G again? Sorry, what was that? Is this from Troy G again? No, this is from me. Okay. Um, you have Long Beach State coming up on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Not a power five, but they did just smash Texas on opening day, three to one. Um, have you done anything differently to prepare for this match than you would other matches? Or kind of, I guess, what's the message regarding Long Beach? Uh, Long Beach does some different things at the net. So um, just in terms of how they handle the third contact, uh, they'll mess with the timing of the block and things like that. And uh, we don't need to change. We, in fact, the way we block, it should, when we do it right, and you know, in some spots we're kind of young, so we don't always do it right. But um, when we do it right, we should be in pretty good shape, but also just winning uh, and being creative at the net. And we worked on that a little bit today. I think that'll be important against Creighton too. They're always very uh, salty at the net. So, um, and so, uh, you know, that was an emphasis in today's practice, uh, being aggressive, going up to win, not just surviving. Can we score uh, on some of these tie balls? So we'll see if we can make a little bit of progress. And, I, you know, it's something that's really a part of their game. So we just need to counteract it a little bit and hopefully uh, you know, win other parts of the match uh, on Thursday. Awesome. Well, thank you for the volleyball chat. We're going to move into the non-serious portion now. Um, you know that I like to, that I like to screw around. So, what I've done normally, I ask like just you know sappy questions like, "What's your favorite food on the road?" or whatever. I today decided to be very original, and I know that you're not ready for it. So, the Omaha volleyball Twitter has been doing the get to know your team and tweeting the graphics of the girls with like 10 questions that they've answered. So what I've done is picked 10 questions, 10 random. None of them are the same answer. So all of them are going to be a different player. And I'm going to put the question up and see if you know which player said what. Oh, we'll see great. How you do. I knew that was going to be your reaction. I was telling my husband about it. I was like, he's going to be not happy about this at all. No, I don't <laughs> um, get on Twitter that often. Okay. Well, you've retweeted them. I've retweeted them. That doesn't mean I I studied it. I know. (laughs) All right. First question. What TV theme can Annika Vester? Thank you. Okay. See, you know what's going on. You know what's going on. All right. I can I can read them. So sorry to interrupt. Okay. Perfect. No, that's okay. Who said their superpower of choice would be mind reading? Problem is, I don't remember who all is gone. Of choice, mind reading. Uh, Morgan DeBeau? Give me one Jordan more question. Oh, what? Sorry, I just, I, I just gave you the answer. Kaylee I knew it was like They're kind of the same. All person. right. Yeah, all right. So you got one right now. Who said that they would want to hang out with The Rock when asked what celebrity they would hang out with? 
I remember seeing this. Who wrote it down? Amanda? Golly. Who was it? You got one more guess? Yeah, I do. Mm, I can't. <laughs> maybe because I was an Arizona thing, maybe Olivia T. Nope. Oh. It was Emily Huff. Oh. Sorry, Emily. All right. When asked about their pre-match ritual, who said, I'm very superstitious, so it would take a five-page essay to explain it. That sounds like Shayla. That is Shayla. You got two. I didn't I didn't know. I don't remember she read that wrote that, but that just that just sounds like Shayla. That's why I picked that one. Because like even if you didn't read it, like that's obvious enough that you would know who said it. I appreciate it. I needed the win. Yeah. <laughs> um, which player can't write in cursive? That's Morgan. That is Morgan. Got she thinks she in cursive. Ask her about it sometime. Okay. I will have to. I'll have to. Um, whose greatest volleyball achievement is getting over a thousand kills in high school? Who would that be? Uh, Kaylee? Nope, you already answered, Kaylee. I know. Oh, it's, so oh, I didn't know you could. Okay. It's only, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They're all different. I don't know if that would have helped me, but uh, I wouldn't have said <laughs> Uh, a thousand kills. Who would have had a thousand kills? Uh, quite a few of them. Can I know? Brindley? Bryn McNair. Oh, shoot. Close. You're kind of on the right track. <laughs> um, when asked what two things they would bring to a deserted island, who said they would bring goldfish? Said they would bring goldfish. I remember reading goldfish. Who was it? Because I remember thinking that's a terrible snack to bring to an island. Uh, who was it? I agree. Though? I would bring whales. Whales are better. Oh yeah, or beef jerky or something. Um, <laughs> Briley. Erica. Oh. All right. Which one of your players cannot live without Dr. Pepper? Oh, I feel like this is like four of them, but I think Rachel Fairbanks. No? McKenna. McKenna. Actually, I didn't know she McKenna. was such a Dr. Pepper fan. I know Rachel and Erica well. are. If I was, uh, McKenna is in much better shape than I am. However, when I was a college athlete, I was certainly not like telling my coach that I was drinking Dr. Pepper all the time. That's so maybe true. you're not supposed to know that. <laughs> maybe she's sneaky about praising Dr. Pepper around me. Um, who wants their superpower, superpower to be controlling time? Ooh, I don't know. This is going to be a guess. Wait, who haven't, who haven't we said yet? should have been writing down the right answers, then I would have a better way to narrow this down. Mm, I don't know this one. I'll, I'll throw a guess out. Superpower controlling time. I'm going to go Brindley Arnold. 
No. Mm. Um, I will give you a hint, I guess. Her name is Olivia, but you have to tell me if it's Curry or Chikufu. Kind of sounds like an Olivia Curry thing. Olivia T? <laughs> You've got one more chance to get a 40%. So no matter like, what, you say right. I feel like I've gotten none right. <laughs> All right. Who said that their unique talent was taking naps? Uh, oh, who was this one? Taking naps. That might have been Rachel. Rachel. All right. 40%. 40. Good job. Some of those, some of those are pretty tough. The, they weren't easy. There were, honestly, I kind of gravitated to a couple, like the business they would start and um what was the other question on there that i was would skim through but i i could probably do the business on more of them than than i got on the others but desert island i definitely skimmed through that i don't didn't read that one <laughs> obviously <laughs> awesome well i appreciate your time i appreciate you putting up with my game glad you came back and i wish you luck this season and hopefully we'll see you down the line all right thanks madison awesome. thank you